We're back with top Victorian trainer Tony Noonan and we're going to look at some more good horses that he's had over the years. What about Bendetti or Benedetti? This horse took you on a trip overseas. Yeah, just a tremendous horse. We bought him out of New Zealand, John, for Peter McMahon. It was one of those lucky ones. That, at that stage, Jonathan was still involved and had first call on the yearlings that we purchased. He wasn't terribly taken by this horse's pedigree, so he said, no, I'm not interested in Pete jumped in. He really loved the horse. Uh, he was a pin hook, sold at New Zealand at Caraca, and we absolutely loved him. We were able to buy him. He was a beautiful big, big horse, John. But had uh, we at the time we were doing a lot of studying on uh, shins. Uh, Susanna Hawke, a vet, had come to us about. We had a lot of young horses at that stage, and we wanted to try to alleviate the, the problem of shin soreness and she had a, a method of x-ray where we could ac- accurately see the development of the of the bone and what damage shin soreness would do to it so we tried to prevent that and this horse uh, meant he when we when we x-rayed him he had wafer thin bone he was very light bone and very weak boned horse and we had to wait till he was nearly four I think before we could run him mm. when a maiden at sale always looked to be a, a, a really nice horse and uh, I think in a lot of ways, John, like he once again, you know, unfortunately the horse broke a knee in the paddock but at that stage I thought he was, he'd gone, he'd won a sale cup, mm-hmm. we'd ventured to do Dubai, he won two races there, should nearly have won three, mm-hmm. uh, brought him back, went through quarantine in Sydney, took him up to Queensland to winter and thought well, we'll run him in the Strat- Stratbroke. Mm-hmm which he ran third and was probably unlucky. And at that stage, I thought this horse could win a Caulfield Cup. He was a very, very good horse. Uh, went out to Kalora Lodge to uh, to spell, and unfortunately, Michelle and Peter do a tremendous job up there. Michelle rang me one morning, and uh, she was just taking the rug off the horse in the paddock, and he was going to have a run around. She was talking to me on the phone. Next minute, he just turned awkwardly and broke his knee, mm. and that was the end of it. But... Uh, uh, he was he he had tremendous ability by second empire another stallion you know I was, mm. you, you go back and you look at these horses that you trained uh, John and yeah you know, best to bruise second empire stallions that I'd never ever heard of and uh, we were able to get the you know the right one from them mm, out of the right families obviously yeah well that was uh, it was a good Perth family good tough Perth family and. Uh, Oh, look, you know, barring that accident, I think he would have been a Caulfield Cup horse, John. He was just a very, very good horse. Mm. Hey, what about Magneto? He was no star, but what an honest customer. He won 11 in all. And, Tone, I don't know what it was about Caulfield. He won six races at Caulfield. Yeah, another good horse, John. Gee, I'd like another one like him now. He was uh, by scenic. I had a lot of joy with that breed. Uh, just when he was in the he, – he was probably at a stage to stay in where he was looked upon as a failed stay in. And we were able to buy a number of them that just ended up – they weren't young horses. They weren't two-year-olds. You had to sit on them a little while. They were a bit flighty. Mm. Uh, and that often went – I think when they're physically immature, their bodies are under pressure, and that's their only way of telling you that by their demeanour. But if you gave them that little bit of time, uh, gee, they ended up tough horses. As you say, 11 wins. You don't 
you know, in this day and age, you don't hear of that. And, you know, he raced at the highest level. He ran in the Caulfield Cup. He won the Herbert Power. Mm. Um, he was, you know, I think he won over half a million dollars in those days, John. So he was a damn good horse. So was Yammer, a little fellow. He was only a pony, Yammer. He won 12 races in all. He won a Group 3. He won a Bendigo Cup. And he won a Caloundra Cup with Chris Munts on board. Yeah, great little horse. He was a favourite, John, because he was only tiny. Uh, he was out of the Bounding Away family. We bought him at Sydney Easter. We paid no money for him. Uh, Jonathan had a really – we had a good system in those days where our inspections, we looked at every yearling in every catalogue. Mm. Um, my old mate, Quinny Scott, I'd send him to the farms before the sales and he'd look at them. And this little bloke went through the program as far as surviving the, the cut and he was only tiny, but a lovely balanced horse, tremendous uh, uh, demeanour, uh, just a genuine. I think he won his first four or five race starts and, uh, you know, actually ran fourth in the Lexus, I think, uh, in the year. Brew beat him in the Lexus and um, he started favouring that, ran honestly. We decided not to run him in the Melbourne Cup and targeted the Bendigo Cup instead, which was a couple of days after the Cup. And he, he duly won there by six, I think, that day with Nash on board. Mm. Um, just a, you know, once again, I think he won nearly half a million. So uh, you'd love him to, I'd love a stable full of them at the moment. In more recent years, you had the pleasure to train a lovely mare called Hortensia. 38 starts, 13 wins, seven placings, 2.4 million. You won two listed, two group twos. She ran third in a Stradbroke. Now, Tone, she was later taken overseas. She changed stables and was taken overseas and she finished up winning a Group 1 in Dubai and a Group 1 in England. What was the story there? Yeah, look, at it, once again, John, you know, just you don't know what will come out of different opportunities. We're in Dubai with Benedetti and Smart and Mighty and I ran into a, a young fellow there called Alistair Fraser. He was a steward. Uh, with the jockey club there in Dubai. Uh, met him after one of our successes there. and He had a just an incredible memory of what good horses I'd trained over the years. Anyway, he was coming back to Australia and he said, look, I'm going to buy a horse. I want you to train it. And she was the mayor. Uh, just an absolutely cracking filly. Uh, was a, Once again, uh, she was by Tester Rossa, which I'd had a fair bit of luck with that breed too. And, uh, she was a bit touchy early. Uh, we used to have to bring her into the mounting yard very late. She'd just get very anxious and wound up, but had an amazing ability. to uh, Won a winter bottom uh, in Perth one day, John, and it was group two. Then the next year it'd become a group one, but uh, just had an incredible finish. And uh, look, she she it was one of an unfortunate situation. She We'd won the group one in uh, Sydney, uh, she had it taken off her uh, due to contaminated feed, mm. uh, which was just diabolical. It was the amount of uh, uh, contamination it was so minute that it didn't even register. And, and but unfortunately, it was the policy is that you know they've got to be uh, nothing in their system. It was a form of pig pellet that had come off the feed mill. 
and anyway, she lost the group one. I think she ran in seven group ones after that and mm. ran some tremendous races without winning. Uh, she ran in the Goodwood, and it was uh, the day after Jake had his fall at Flemington, and uh, I'd had no sleep and flew over for the race. She failed there. She was a tired horse and went back to Alistair's farm at Scone uh, to be mated, and uh, she didn't get in foal, and she was up at the farm, and Alistair rang me. He said, look, I don't know whether we're going to continue, but I'm going to give it to Paul Massara to train because he's locally base there and, you know, we can keep an eye on her if she doesn't. So anyway, Paul got to train the, the mare and she went on to uh, those heights in Dubai and England, which were something that Alistair and I had always discussed. Uh, Alistair travelled and was keen to do something and she just got better and better as she got older and just a fantastic mare. Tony, during your busiest era, you had a 100 horses in work at Mornington. And obviously, you had an army of track work riders. Now, at one time, you had a quartet riding work for you who can be appropriately described as talented. Nash Rewilla, Brad Rewilla, Dwayne Dunn, Craig Williams, all turning up at your joint <laughs> every morning. Yeah, well... Y- you know, you look back now, John, you'd say that was a, an elite group of horsemen. Uh, at that time, I, I didn't look at them as an elite group of horsemen. They were uh, they were front and centre to do a job. Uh, but what tremendous lads. Um, I just, you know, I, I just, I've been lucky enough to train some really good horses. John, I haven't trained any champions, but I've trained some really good horses. Mm. And then to have those boys come amongst your group over a period, I suppose, of about 10 years. Nash was with me for about eight or nine years before he went up to Sydney. Mm. Um, but just to see those lads develop, uh, Brad has become one of the great jockeys in Victoria, achieved more than what I would have ever imagined him mm. achieving, but through tremendous work ethic and, and just a really tremendous young man and uh you know, has gone on to great heights. Uh, Craig Williams, one of the great jockeys of the world, was always t- terribly professional. Uh, and the, the little things I remember about these boys is that they were always very humble in the way that they went about their work. Craig, if he rode a winner during the week for one of the stables, he'd, he'd be there, track work with a bag of lollies for the strapper. He'd always remember and, and, and acknowledge those behind the scenes. Um Great work ethic again. And then Dwayne come over from Adelaide, was very successful there, come to Melbourne and then, you know, gone on to great heights here and in Hong Kong. So the four boys were very talented boys and, and have gone on to be successful men, which I've got enormous thrill out of, John. You know, they've all, we've all remained very close. They're very respectful. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd look upon them as friends. Mm. You always had a high opinion of Nash Willer and you gave him a terrific endorsement to Gay Waterhouse when she was looking for a Melbourne jockey some years ago. Uh, He got the job on your say-so, and he went on to win three Sydney premierships with win tallies of 90, 91 and 77. A great jockey, John. Just um, he rode a horse for me. We're talking about Warwick Nabeel. 
I had a little mare called Fair Pyrian. She'd won at the Valley and we were going to the Warwick to build cup. A couple of mates in the Ford. We ventured down the highway to Warwick to build, struggled to get a jockey. Good mate of mine, Lee Hope, suggested young Nash. He said, He's, this kid's going to be a really good jockey. So anyway, we went to Warwick to build and he slaughtered it. <laughs> Absolutely slaughtered. And I rang Lee on the way home. I said, you won't hear of that kid again. I said, he won't even get a gig of Warwick to build. Yeah. But I'd, you know, I'd followed him after that, and um, he was just, you know, from a, a really good racing background. His his family had been heavily involved in racing, and he was a, just a tremendous horseman. And um, he got in involved in the in the in the gig at home, and um, we had a little parting early doors. He, he he missed a gallop one morning, and I was a pretty hard taskmaster in those days as far as meeting certain requirements and turning up was one of them mm. uh so he got 12 months and then came back and worked <laughs> terribly hard and uh just his success yeah. has been uh incredible yeah well you and gabrielle have four kids three boys tom sam and jake and one girl laura now one morning over breakfast you got the shock of your life when jake suddenly put down his spoon pushed his cereal bowl to one side and he said, Dad, I want to be a jockey. That came from left field. Yeah, it did, John. It was a total surprise at that stage. He was, he was only tiny, but he was a very good footballer in AFL. He played AFL football uh, down in the local league and he was damn good at it. And uh, I thought that would be the way he'd go. All the kids rode pony club as kids. Tom was always going to be a bit taller. He's a, a, a budding Academy Award winner in living in Canada. Uh, Sammy was uh, – Sammy's interest in racing extended. John, I think we had a runner in the Melbourne Cup one year and at dinner about a month beforehand I said to Sam, do you want to – we better organise tickets for Cup Day. He said, Dad, I'd rather go to the dentist. Uh, <laughs> Jake, he filled up a couple of water buckets for a bit of pocket money and Laura – uh, the princess had no interest in racing either. So it was out of left field. You know, it wasn't something that I pushed when they were kids. Um, but he, he, that breakfast said, uh, Dad, I think I might be a jockey. Mm. So, uh, I, I, you know, it, I didn't give it a lot of thought at that stage, John, because I thought, you know, once he gets into the routine of getting up early and mm. riding work and going to school and, and that it would diminish his interest. But, you know, he was he was – he was very passionate about it, and once he got a smell of it and uh, got going, uh, you know, he's made a good career of it. He was making great progress when he was involved in that sickening fall at Flemington back in 2011. It looked awful, Tony. He was in a coma for three days. Amazingly, no broken bones. He did have some bleeding to the brain, however, and I know you were – I just can't imagine what you and Gab were going through at the time, but his recovery was miraculous. Yeah, probably, you know, without doubt, any parent in, involved in an accident with their child, it's just devastating. And uh, I was fortunate to be at the races that day, or fortunate in one sense and unfortunate in another, but mm. uh, it was the last race. I think he might have rode a couple of winners for me that day. Uh, he was riding one of Lee Friedman's in the last and uh, – I was just in the mounting yard area, just basically waiting, you know, for, 
the race to be run and then we were packed up and go to go home and uh, I could just see uh, his scully in the run. He was just at head height and I could see he was positioned well but I think the horse was just starting to weaken anyway. Uh, they rolled in a bit and he caught heels and come to the ground. And Look, you know, in a lot of ways, John, you know, I'd had plenty of the boys have falls and you never feel good about them, but you, you, you're always positive. You have to be in this game and you'd, you'd, you'd ring up or you'd venture out and they'd, you know, they, they may have broken something, but you never, ever worried about them, uh, you know, surviving a fall. And uh, on this particular day, I, I wandered out to the... Uh, to the course proper there at Flemington, and as soon as I stepped foot on the on the track, I realised things were serious because normally people tend to congregate around where in this situation they are all standing back away from. There was only the doctor and the ambulance attendant, and I walked up, and um, it was pretty obvious at that point. I thought, you know, that he was going to uh, not come home, and uh, you know, just we were just once again blessed by the fact that. Uh, he was able to recover out of what was a, a really bad fall. Mm, you know, he had just barely got going again, and down he went again, this time breaking a leg. Yeah, Johnny, he just, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how it works. Like everything had rolled along pretty uh, swimmingly for him as a kid. He'd always been a, an achiever and uh, – he took to racing the same way. You know, he'd won the uh, Apprentices Championship in Victoria that season. He was really on a roll. He was riding for the big stables. He was apprenticed to Peter Moody at the stage. Mm. He transferred to Pete and he was flying. And he had that fall and he was basically off the scene for 12 months and then, as you said, came back, uh, rode a Group 1 winner in Adelaide. And I think weeks later, riding one for Mead Packenham, came off, uh, clipped heels again, came down and broke a leg and uh, was off for another six months. And when you, you know, obviously when you're out of the scene, it doesn't matter if you're a jockey, a trainer or whatever, if you're out of the scene for nearly a year and a half, it's very hard to get that momentum back. But, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's working at it. Uh, he hasn't lost any ability and he definitely hasn't lost any confidence. Uh, he just needs that good horse at the moment to, Put him back to where he'll uh, get to, but uh, yeah, he's um, he's a terrific lad. He's got a good work ethic. He, uh, you know, he, he he he's still working hard at it, and he'll get better at it. We'll just pause for a break on the podcast, Tony. Back in a moment. 2019 English Select Yearling Sales Series is almost upon us, with close to 3,000 yearlings to be offered through the Southern Hemisphere's number one equine auction house. Catalogues for the Sydney Classic Yearling Sale and the Melbourne Premier Sale are now available online at inglis.com.au and in hard copy, while the Easter Preview magazine featuring almost 500 world-class pedigrees is also ready for your perusal. 1,013 horses will be offered at the Classic Sale, beginning at the Riverside Stables on the night of Saturday, February the 9th, directly after the Inglis Race Day at Warwick Farm. In a stunning catalogue, there are relations to 76 stakes winners, including eight group winners, and the progeny of 103 stakes winning mares, including 10 group one winners. Riverside Stables will be hosting sheer quality, 
at the 2019 Classic Yearling Sale. My guest is Tony Noonan. Well, your lifestyle is much more relaxed today than it used to be. You've got 15 horses in work, which means you can put extra time into that very promising horse you've got at the moment, Manolo Blanique. You've been very patient. He's a five-year-old. He's won four races, including the Chester Manifold, and almost certainly he's not finished yet. No, I'd like to think he's on the way, John. He's, uh, as you say, he's uh, taken a little bit of time. Uh, we gelded the horse. Um, I had him with a mate of mine as a two-year-old. I left him in New Zealand with a good mate in Craig Thornton. Uh, he won a Group 3 over there in New Zealand as a two-year-old at his second start and looked terribly promising and ran in the Karakamean, uh, in which he pulled up Shinsaw, and then he was coming to me to be trained in, at home. Um, he was just a really hard-going young horse who uh, wasn't advantaged by having his testicles, so we made the decision to move them, and then once we did that, uh, we went about changing the style of his racing, and uh, it took probably nearly 12 months, John, to really get him to a point where we, we were happy with him, and then since then, he hasn't let us down. He's continued to go forward. Um, his win in the Chester Manifold was terrific, and... Uh, Probably typical of one of mine. Uh, you know, he's he, he's 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 developing into a good horse, and uh, I think there's a good race in him. How fitting it is that you've been able to win three Mornington Cups, your hometown cup, two thousand and three, two thousand and four, two thousand and five, with the same horse. Yeah, what a great thrill that was, Johnny. I look, <laughs> I could sit here and talk to you for hours, John, about you know, the the great thrills we've had and the and the good horses. As I said, that little horse wasn't he wasn't a champion. Uh but he'll go down in history. No horse has won the cup three times and to win it three years in a row. Mm. Uh and the lead up, especially to that final day, John, the, the final cup he won. I think he won his first cup with uh, Kieran McAvoy in the saddle. Yeah. Uh, I think Kieran had just come out of his time then, uh, and I've had a great association with him. He's just gone on to – he rode a winner for me in Dubai, mm. gone on to great heights, but he won the first. Nash won the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third year, uh, Damien Oliver rode it. They got a, a record crowd at that day, John, of 18,000 at the Cup. Mm. I don't think that they've ever got anywhere near that. And the, obviously, the local support and interest was just enormous, 18,000. He went in as a bit of an outsider that day. I got vivid memories, John, of not being able to position myself on that particular day to see the race. I was in the mounting yard. Mm. The grandstands were full, and I'm not – God hasn't blessed me with height, so I was struggling to find a posse where I could see it. So I, I rushed back to the jockey's room. In those days, they were happy to mix with trainers. Mm. And I rushed back to the jock's room, and the bloody television went on the blink. <laughs> Just as they were rounding the corner, I could see yeah. he was angling for a run. Mm. And it went on the blink. I rushed back out into the mountain, and I couldn't see it. Mm. I couldn't see the race, and I, I, I was relying on the crowd and their response. Yeah. And all of a sudden there was this massive, you know, crescendo of of people. Mm. And 
I thought, oh, bloody hell, he's, he's in the finish. I know he's in the finish because mm. of the response. And he got up and I, I can remember Damien Oliver saying to me that day that he'd never – Mornington's a beautiful little track and it, it, the people are so close to it. And he said he'd never heard it, just it lifted the horse, he reckons, over the line. But, uh, yeah, yeah, three Mornington Cups, he was a champion little horse. Now, Tony, that comprehensive dissertation on the merits of your triple Mornington Cup winner would not be complete without his name. <laughs> we haven't mentioned his name. It was a horse called Gunner Matter. Yeah, just... Perfectly named by Jonathan and Marita at the time. I can remember buying him at Sydney, Sydney Easter, John, and we thought he'd be a, a golden slipper horse. And I think he won a 1,200-metre maiden at Mornington one day, and Jonathan rang me. He said, he's no good, that horse. I said, we better hope he can run a trip. Yeah. Uh, we galled him, and he won a Warnable Cup. Mm. He was damn unlucky not to win Country Horse of the Year, John, an a, 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 a unbeknown mm. uh, little Mayor uh, from left field beat him in the Mackayvy Diva. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. No. He'd, he'd won the Mornington Cup and the Warnable Cup that year. Yeah. And uh, she, I think, won the Werribee Cup mm. uh, and was on her way to, you know, the Great Heights. But she she, she knocked him out in the, in the award. I was filthy on it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, little gunner matter. He, once again, John, he wasn't big, but oh, he was a good tough little horse and, and just loved it. I think he only won one race in town, mm. which was a restricted race at Flemington. Mm. So all his, all his efforts were, you know, on the country circuit. Well, Tone, had you persevered with your original job, you may well have become the greatest school teacher that ever lived, <laughs> but we'll never know because you answered your heart and pursued the career you'd dreamed about since those lazy Sundays when all of Mum's relations talked nothing but racing over a baked lunch. Yeah, John, just you look back, unfortunately Mum died uh, at the age of 42. I was only 21 and Mm. she was by far the biggest influence as far as developing a love for the game. And uh, uh, she never saw me train, which she – and to have a grandson as a jockey, she would have been in her element, but – we raced the red and white diamonds, goldens, blue hoop sleeves of her colours, and fortunately they've been on some damn good horses. But yeah, from those days in Pasco Vale to uh, to I, I can remember John. Just I won't take up too much of your time here, but standing in that mounting yard of Dubai, I think was you know before Benedetti won the, there the first time, and thinking that God, this is a long way from. Pasco Vale to be standing over here and that's the, the beauty about the game you know what it can do for you and your family and, cl- and one's close to you it's just a, it, there's nothing else in the world that can give you that journey Well Brother Noonan <laughs> I want to thank you for your time on the podcast I've been wanting to talk to you for a long long time we finally got around to it and I've enjoyed every moment of it thanks for your time Tony Noonan You're a champion John thank you Lovely, mate. And this podcast has been produced by Supernova Sound. Monday, April 8th until Wednesday, April 10, 2019 are the dates for the Inglis-Australian Easter Yearling Sale, the most important and influential yearling sale in this part of the world. 
While the final catalogue isn't released until January, it's shaping to be one of the best ever. There's a three-quarter brother to the Autumn Sun, a full brother to Merchant Navy, a half-brother to Shoals, a full brother to Brazen Bow, a three-quarter brother to Lankan Rupee, a full sister to John Snow, a half-brother to Unforgotten, a half-sister to Catchy, a half-brother to Dundeal, a half-brother to I Victory, a half-sister to She Will Reign, a three-quarter brother to Seamus Award, and a half-brother to Pino. Stallions with progeny in the sale are Schnitzel, Fastnet Rock, I Am Invincible, Reduce Choice, Sebring, Piero, and Written Tycoon. There's a strong international flavour with sires like Lord Canaloa, Deep Impact, Frankel and Tappet. There are 42 siblings to Group 1 winners and the progeny of 35 Group 1 winning mares. The preview magazine is available now and the final catalogue will be out in January.